Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 13. I'm Carly Tizano, a New Year's resolution coach, obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. I am so excited by how close we are getting to the end of the year. (laughs) That probably comes as no surprise based off of what I do. But today I am going to be sharing a resolve too that should help you get pretty clear on what resolutions you're going to be setting in the coming year and more specifically the type of resolutions that you want to be setting. So today's resolve too is to set whatever type of resolutions are right for you. So you may be wondering, (laughs) what are the types? How many types are there? I didn't even realize there were types. If that feels like you, if that's you, don't worry. I'm going to be going into all of that today. And honestly, I'm sure that there are more types or categories that you could come up with than the ones I'm going to share today, but I'm going to share the ones with you that I normally share with my clients in that I think are particularly helpful as different ways of breaking up the year, different kind of structures that you can use, different containers and categories that may help you conceptualize the different things that you're thinking about wanting to achieve or work on into more tangible and practical steps and things that you can identify that you want to work on over the coming months. I want to start out by identifying two different categories of resolutions. So these aren't the specific types that we're going to be going into, but first I like to think of resolutions and all goals really as falling into one of two categories. So there are accomplishment-based goals and there are habit-based goals. Accomplishment goals are kind of one and done. They're something that you can check off. They could be bigger, like graduating from college, or they can be something small, like going to get that dress in the back of your closet fitted. There's something though that you say you're going to do it and then you do it and then you pretty much never have to work on it or worry about it again. Habit-based goals, on the other hand, are things that are ongoing. You want to establish and continue them either for a set period of time or ongoing. So either indefinitely, like eating healthy, that's probably something that you want to do forever, or at least for the foreseeable future, you don't want to put an end date on that or habit-based goals can be something that you set for a period of time. So you could say, I'm going to get up at 6am to study for an exam for the next three weeks before I go to work, since I have that big test coming up, but that's not a habit you would need forever. You would just need to have that habit until the test. Habit goals can also be big. They could be kind of wide ranging or take up a lot of time, like saying you're going to go to the gym and work out five days a week, or they can be smaller. They can be like, I'm not going to check social media first thing when I wake up in the morning. So the goals or the resolutions that you may be setting for the coming year may fall into one category or the other, but I found that just identifying which I'm setting, and often I tend to set kind of a wide range of things. And so realizing oh, wow, I have a bunch of accomplishment-based goals. Maybe I should add in a habit goal or two or vice versa can help me create progress and change across disparate areas of my life, but also be making bigger strides altogether. So without further ado, let's get into the different kinds of goals. And I'll be sharing (laughs) hints and glimpses into different goals that I've set in the past in these different categories. So the first kind of goal is the impossible goal. You may be wondering why in the world you'd want to set an impossible goal. Well, I am about to tell you setting an impossible goal is ultimately not about reaching the goal itself. I know that seems completely counterintuitive, but hear me out. So when you set an impossible goal, you're saying that this is something that I want to achieve, but big surprise, it feels impossible. The goal of setting an impossible goal isn't necessarily to reach it. However you might. And if you do, then you better open two bottles of champagne for that one, but it's more about 
the person you become in the process of reaching the impossible goal. If you set an impossible goal, it's going to take you to the next level and you are inevitably going to take major strides towards achieving whatever it is you want to accomplish the impossible goal, but it isn't 100% guaranteed that you are going to be reaching the goal over the course of a year. When we set any goal, our brain tends to freak out. But sometimes when we set an impossible goal, we are able to bypass that because the goal that we are setting just seems so big and so outlandish and so impossible. Our brain doesn't freak out quite as much. Sometimes it doesn't even really notice we set something that was so big and impossible because it's just outside of what the brain can easily conceptualize us being able to do and work towards and achieve that the brain just doesn't put up as much of a fight as it does when we are saying we're going to do something that it perceives as being just slightly on or beyond the realm of our ability and capacity from where we are currently at. But keep in mind, when you set an impossible goal, it's probably still something that is within the realm of possibility. You're not going to want to set an impossible goal. Like I'm going to go to the moon or I'm going to join the NBA. Like those things probably are not just impossible, quote unquote, but they're also impractical. So keep your impossible goals within the realm of reality and also within the context of things that you actually want and things that you can identify why you want them, like we talked about in episode nine and episode 11, which if you miss those episodes, definitely check them out. They're kind of the bedrock, I think, to this level. If you are determining the types of goals and specifically what goals you're going to set, you really want to know broadly, what are the things that you desire? What are the things you want to be moving towards and why you want to be moving towards them? And then you can get into kind of this fun surface level stuff of now, how am I going to structure all of those things that I want? So when you are setting an impossible goal, you can look at it within the context of what is the cost of not going for it? Because without making progress sometimes on the big things that we want to, especially if it's something you've never done before, if it's kind of out there, or if it's going to allow you to jump five or 10 levels ahead of where you are now, Without setting something like that, you may just keep reiterating exactly where you are or the next version one at a time, whereas opposed to sometimes you can take kind of leap up to the top of the staircase if you set an impossible goal because you're thinking at a much higher level of who am I going to be or who do I need to be in order to achieve this goal and what do I need to do in order to get to that level? Sometimes it allows you to do exactly that. So that is the impossible goal. The next kind of goal is to create a list. So my favorite kind of list is this year, it was the 21 for 2021 list. So that was 21 things that I wanted to do or achieve or accomplish, or like we said earlier, habits I wanted to build in 2021. So I shared a bit about mine and the progress I had made so far in episode two. So check that out if you're curious about what my goals were and how I did on them so far. So for next year, if you wanted to create a similar list, quite obviously, it would be the 22 for 2022 list. Or if you're listening to this in a different year in the future, you would just want to set or create a list with a corresponding number to the year that you were going into. But I do want to give a caveat here and say that you don't have to do 21 or 22 or (laughs) in a few decades when we get to like 2050, you don't need to do 50 things. If you want to keep it fun and light and kind of in that similar vein, you could do something like 12 or you could do two or when it's 2050, you could do five you can kind of keep the fun theme along with it, or it can have something to do with you. Like if you're celebrating five years of marriage, you could do five relationship related goals. Or if you're turning 30, you could set three big goals. It could be your three when I'm 30 or whatever. You could really have fun with it. That's why I like this so much. It kind of adds an element of whimsy into the things that you're wanting to do. It also allows you to have a really good mix of big goals and small goals and habit goals and accomplishment-based goals. You get to cover a wide variety of things. You can have things like visit 
certain restaurants or go on a trip, do whole 30, read one book a month, go through your closet, save $5,000. And along with that, you could add X number of other things based off of the list that you want to make, whether it's a big number or a small number. It also allows you to mix kind of personal goals and business goals if you have a business or just professional goals if you don't have a business of your own. And you can mix them together on one list. You can have separate lists for each. I tend to generally to keep my business goals separate other than finishing my book and launching this podcast. Those were on kind of my overarching goals list because they did feel like they had personal twists to them too, even if there was kind of a business aspect to both as well. But anyway, you can create a list like this if you want to. I think that they're super fun. I can't guarantee you that this is something I'm going to do next year, but it's something that I have done for the past several years. I also have posts on my blog about my 19 for 2019 list and my 20 for 2020 list. So if you want to check those out to get some ideas or see how my brain works, the things I've worked on the last couple of years, you can definitely feel free to check those out as well. I do also want to give another caveat to this one to say, don't feel pressure to feel like you have to do a ton of things or across a wide variety of areas. If that's not something that you want to do or isn't going to work well for you or the year that you see coming ahead of you, that's totally okay. There's no pressure. I actually had a really hard time coming up with 21 things for this year. That's why some of the ones that I share are kind of small or not that significant, but they were still ones that I did decide I wanted to do and achieve and accomplish. But there is no pressure to have a huge number, especially if you really want to focus on one area of your life. Even if you don't want to do an impossible goal, there's some other great ways that you can just focus on one big thing. I tend to like the 21 for 2021 list or something similar because I like having a variety of things to focus on. I like feeling like I'm making progress across a wide variety of areas. I like to have the small wins that checking off the smaller items can give you as opposed to if launching this podcast had been the one thing, it would have been harder, I think, to feel like I was having success until I launched it in September. And nine months is a long time to go without feeling like you're having major wins. So that is a reason why I think some people have a hard time setting resolutions is because they stick with the big things like the impossible goals and just saying they want to run a marathon or lose 50 pounds. And when they don't see the major progress towards those things, it can be hard to feel like it's working, hard to feel like you're making progress. And so the whole thing kind of goes out the window. So that's one of the reasons why I like the 21 for 2021 list or a similar list based off of the year that you are in or maybe going into, but there is no pressure to set that many goals if it's not the thing that's right for you. The next kind of goal, another one of my favorites is the word or the phrase of the year. It helps, I found, to have kind of a theme for the year. Depending on the year, sometimes it will be more resonant, sometimes it won't. It can be a word, a phrase, a number, an idea, um, a song lyric, anything that you relate to that kind of fits the phase you're going into or that you just want to start creating in your life. It can also tie other goals that you have together into a common theme if you think that's helpful. One of my words a few years ago was growth. That was something that I was very focused on and that I was really working hard on and kind of everything was going along with that. Another year, my word was sustainability. And so I did a lot of things related to making my life as a whole, my relationships, my habits, all of that sustainable for me going forward, but also looking for things that I could do to benefit the planet and to reduce my overall waste and consumption. So this year, as I shared about in episode two, also my theme of the year was 22 since I am 22 and Love, of course, Taylor Swift song 22, which also tied into one of the goals on my 21 for 2021 list. But it was a really fun way to capture the energy that I wanted to bring into this year of 2021 when I was 22. But it can be anything else. It can be whatever resonates most strongly for you that you want for the coming year. Another fantastic kind of goal that I've done and that I do love is the monthly focus goal. So a great example of this is Gretchen Rubin's book, The Happiness Project. She 
wanted to work on increasing her happiness over the course of a year. And so each month she had a particular area of her life that she wanted to focus on. And another great example is the book based off of that uh, with a similar style of uh, the wellness project, which is another one that I love. And Gretchen Rubin launched a course a couple of years ago of the happiness project. And it was such a fun thing to kind of follow in her footsteps, to have that be the theme and to have the monthly focuses and to be able to align my goals under that year. I also had, I think it was a 19 for 2019 list that year. So some of my goals then ended up being pulled into monthly focuses, or I knew that's when I was going to tackle them, which was kind of nice. So if I knew that I wanted to get a new credit card and I knew that August was the money month, I could say like, oh, I know I'm going to do that in August because that's the money month. That's when that's going to happen. So having a monthly focus allows you to work on improving and experimenting with smaller things in many areas of your life. So you could dedicate months to family or friends. You could even break it down more. You could have a month dedicated to your partner, your kids, your parents, your coworkers, or not. You can just stick all the relationships together into one month or one category. You can also have months dedicated to money, work, your home, exercise, your body, eating healthy, shopping, pretty much anything else. Uh, the sky's the limit as far as what months or what categories you would want to assign to each month. But it's so nice having a set time to accomplish certain things. That way you can also assign things based off of weather or what other events you know are going to be happening. Working on eating healthy is great in the summer when you can go to the farmer's market and there's more fresh food available. Exercise or moving your body is great for the summer too, when you can actually get outside and do things in the fresh air. But of course, you can also just plan generally your goals around the time of year anyway as well. But having the monthly focus kind of gives you a structure or a framework within which to do that. And it's also nice because it gives you the freedom of if you have a month dedicated to something and you try something out in that month and it doesn't work for you, you feel like you can just kind of leave it in that month. It's not something you have to keep bringing you forward or try to the end of the year. You can just say, well, <laughs> I did that in September and I'm done. I'm leaving that in the past. And on the flip side, if it is working great for you, if it is a habit or a routine that you are in love with, then you can just keep going with it. Another type of goal that you can set is just a normal goal. <laughs> you can set just a normal goal as a resolution if you want to. You can write your novel or lose weight or start a business, organize your home, make money, save money. It can be as broad or specific as you want. I would recommend probably with most of those that I just said, making them a little bit more specific to you and your timeline and what your specific goal is and what you want, but you don't have to. Again, it's your goal. You can do whatever you want with it. It's kind of separate from the impossible goal because a lot of these things probably don't feel impossible to you. If they do, then you could set it within that category of the impossible goal, but they may just be things that you want to achieve. And this may be the year in which you want to achieve them. And if that's what you want, then that's exactly what you need to do. It doesn't have to fall into a good goal framework, quote unquote. You don't have to have a fancy type of goal if it's not going to work for you. You can just set a simple goal or call it a resolution, which is definitely what team I'm on, and you can get it done. I would recommend though, if you do set a simple goal or really with what, whatever type of goal that you're setting to make sure you've broken it down into the steps that it's going to take to get there. Like if you're going to lose weight, you have to make a plan to lose one pound and then lose another. And then to deal with the times when you eat two cupcakes and you only planned on eating one, what times are you going to let yourself eat cupcakes? Stuff like that. If you're going to write a book, like I just finished this year, you have to make a plan and you have to write a sentence and then another sentence, and then you have to finish a chapter and then you have to edit and then you have to decide on publishing. That's the phase that I'm at now. You can make progress on the things that you want, no matter what they are, no matter what size they are, no matter what may be coming, you can identify what goal you want to set, what type of goal you want to set. And then we'll figure out together exactly what it's going to take for you to get there. So I've shared five types of goals here that I love, that I find really powerful and successful. I've found a lot of power in all of these. They're all ones that I've experimented with as time has gone on. 
But you can also do a combination. You can have a word of the year and then do a monthly focus for each month related to that. You can do that and a list based off of whatever year it is you're going into. You can have an impossible goal with monthly focuses. You can really play around with it, make it whatever it is that you want it to be. But there is a type of goal that I'm sure will allow you to make progress on whatever it is that you want. And I'll be sharing in just a few weeks, the things that I'm going to be working on and focus on next year. I'm not quite ready to reveal what those are yet, but actually I'll be talking more about that in just a minute. But I want to encourage you to resolve to set whatever type of resolution is right for you. There is no wrong goal. There is no wrong type of goal. The only wrong type of goal I would say is the type that you are not setting. If you have a desire and you're pushing it off because you don't know how to start or where to start or what to do. I would encourage you to take this next step forward, setting it as a resolution, and don't worry, we'll figure out all the rest along the way. This week, I am reading How to Change the Signs of Getting from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be by Katie Milkman. I just started it. It's been a while, actually, since I've read kind of a personal development book. (laughs) There have been years where that has been all I've read, or at least primarily what I've read, but there haven't been too many, at least in the last couple of months. So it's interesting kind of letting my brain shift back into that category. I have been reading a lot of nonfiction still, although a lot of thrillers too have been mixed in lately, which is a genre that I love, but it's interesting yeah, to shift back into a point where I am focusing on growth and conceptual ideas and how they apply to me and my clients and my life, but it's exciting and interesting. And I've, I've been enjoying getting back into that. And today I would like to raise a toast to giving things a name. (laughs) I know this is kind of an odd toast, but For the last several months, I've had a lot of different things pulling at the edges of my mind, things I needed to decide on and do or make a decision so that I could know what to do. And a lot of it is going to culminate in the goals that I'm going to set this year. And so I decided that I wasn't going to decide until December 1st. I was giving my brain until then just the space that it needed to process all of those things, to just kind of let those ideas float around as I was still moving forward on the things that I was working on this year. And I just decided I was not going to stress too much about the things that are going to come next year and the things I'm going to do until December 1st. And then I was going to have decisions December and I was going to make the decisions that I needed to make sure that the resolutions I'm setting for the coming year and the steps that I'm taking are in alignment with the things that I ultimately want. So I'm toasting giving things a name (laughs) because just knowing that Decisions December was coming freed up so much brain space instead of letting my mind kind of go over again and again, the decisions I knew I needed to make. So if you need to join me in Decisions December, I welcome you here. And the next part for me is really deciding on my resolutions. I'll be sharing them in a couple of weeks, like I said, but they're beginning to take shape and structure and I can't wait to share them. I'm super excited. And along with that, I can't wait to see what decisions you're going to make around your resolutions and what type of resolutions you're going to set. So definitely feel free to share them with me. And with that, thanks for tuning into the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Pisano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlydesano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.